You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse, Earful of Dirt is the only podcast dedicated to Major League Rugby. Now, coming to you live from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Aaron Castro in Arizona. I'm joined this week. Victor Perez happens to be in Houston visiting some friends. And Brian Ray, editor-at-large for North America in the for the America's Rugby News. How are you doing tonight, Brian? Couldn't be worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, not too bad. Not too bad. It's not frozen up here for once, so that's a, that's a bonus. Well, that's helpful. Um, hanging out with the whistle. Yeah, the whistle, yeah. Doing a little <laughs> bit of that. All I know is one time I'm like reading stuff and on, on my Twitter feed, Brian goes, hey, off for a few hours uh, with the whistle. Because Brian Ray is a ref, so if you wonder – what he does in real life. That's right. I hand out cards for fun. <laughs> uh, and then Corey is off in Iowa. He's in the control room and on Twitter. So hit him up uh, for your questions and comments. But Corey, Victor, how's, yeah. how's your week been? Go ahead, Corey. Oh, uh, mine's been pretty fantastic. Yeah. No complaints. Uh, just typical Iowa summers. So, uh, you know, practically 100 degrees and a lot of rain. Feels good, man. Makes the corn grow. <laughs> I thought you were a potato uh, state. Nope, corn state. Come it's on, man. Steak to make. Boise, Idaho. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have I'd have mountains if I lived out there. That'd be cool. I just no, have potatoes. like one big river. That's about all we got going for us. Uh, well, my part, guys. Like like Aaron said, I'm down um in Houston, Texas, listening a buddy of mine. My buddy Edward, I know if he watches this, hey Ed, can't say that he say hi to you on, on, on live stream, I told you. So my buddy's going up to Iceland, University of Reykjavik, to do his master's of all things. So I guess it's going to be like rather next to volcanoes and stuff in the capital. So before he goes to Europe, I came to visit him. So if you see, it looks really nice behind me. It's because I'm not in my apartment. I'm actually in a really nice three-star hotel in, in Houston. Only a three-star. I know, only that's, high roller. Exactly. That's 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 all a thousand dollars could buy. Wow, I I can't believe you found the red roof in. <laughs> Dude, it's funny you said that. I actually stayed in the red roof inn up in, in Hamburg, New York, close to Buffalo. I had a blast. I loved it. Really fun. I yeah, really yeah, we got one of those too. Uh yeah, you don't go there. Roach Motel, man. Oh the one I was in it was really nice. I was literally the only person of color in the whole room. So <laughs> no, pl- no place. Forget about that. It was really fun. I went to I went to I went to Dennis like for breakfast and, and I was freaked out. I'm like, yo, like there's like way too many white people here. Like I was like <laughs> I'd you, know, that. you know, for you you must be in the wrong part of town because Houston is like the most multicultural country city. No, no, that was up no, that's up in New York. In Hamburg, 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 New York. Hamburg, New York. Okay. Hamburg, New York. Not in Houston. No, dude. Like, I see like a 
put your black brothers and a couple of Mexicans around. No, no, no. I'm talking about <laughs> up, in, up, up in Hamburg, New York, right there by Buffalo. Oh, my. Right. All right. All right. It's supposed to be like a freaking mini UN, right? Oh, yeah. Houston is yeah. the most multicultural city in America. Seriously. Uh, so for those new to the podcast, each Monday night, we discuss news and rumors from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union competitions, chance to discuss the issues, hear from the league team leadership, and check in with all of you, our friends across the U.S. rugby scene, and especially tonight, our friends across the Canadian rugby scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, Canada, oh, Canada, I pray for thee. Thanks, we need your prayers. The, uh, <laughs> the bordering country, we're not building a wall across. Mm-hmm. Not yet. Well, you might be. You know, <laughs> not not been yet. A rough week. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, just so you guys know what's coming up tonight, uh, I think we're going to talk about some rugby here in a little bit. We've we've got some games to go over tonight. On tonight's show, we've got Austin versus uh, Utah. We've got Seattle and Houston. We've got Glendale uh, pretty much crushing NOLA. And uh, we're going to take a look at the USA Rugby, or USA Rugby, yeah, USA Rugby versus Russia. Um, yeah. And maybe hit on some other uh, international tests as well. So, uh, Aaron, take us away, my friend. So Seattle survives Austin 20 to 19. Uh, early on, uh, there seemed to be some issues at the hinge. Uh, Tiberio, uh, he's played scrum half before, but really is normally a wing center. And I expected, and I know Brian expected, Shalom Suniula to move into the nine spot since he's played there at the international level. Is this where I chime in and agree? Oh, either you disagree or throw. <laughs> oh, I completely, fight. 100% agree. I think it was crazy that Shalom did not start at nine. Um, I think Tiberio looked like a guy who was a winger who had to step in in an emergency situation to play a scrum half and didn't really look anything like a scrum half. Um, you know, he can pass the ball from A to B, but that's not really what a scrum half does. There's no, he had no, uh, box kicking game, anything like that. Uh, you know, it was kind of labored passing. It wasn't quick, sharp delivery. I mean, we're a bit spoiled. We've seen Phil Mack obviously there with them and he's been in good form. Um, I just think it was a tactical mistake on their part. And I think it showed, um, I mean, <laughs> he made some strange decisions, uh, and, and it's not his fault. Uh, he went with his kind of natural instincts being a finishing winger, kind of kind of attacking player, um, and he's being asked to play distri- a distributor's role. And it, to me, it just didn't work out at all. Uh, I don't know. Uh, who are they up next, this week? It's Glendale. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what they do. If I'm them, I switch to Suniula without question. I just thought it was nuts to play Tiberia there. Yeah, I mean, I had asked a friend of mine who's a, a U of A guy and, you know, watched – he's a little bit ahead of Tiberio, so he'd watched Tiberio come through school. And he's like, ha, ha, I told that dude to learn how to play scrum half years ago because apparently he spent a lot of time being injured when he played in the centers at U of A, which, I mean, so I, I guess Adam, shout out to you, buddy. Um, he was right in that respect because I was like, I don't – I personally had never seen Tiberio play anything other than wing and center. Likewise. So, um, early, you know, early on, especially was it, uh, was it three penalties in a row or was it just two? Uh, Seattle committed multiple infringements and for a while it looked like Guillemon was going to like probably score 30 points with his boot. And, uh, 
it, the first half was really ugly until Rosalekas put that try in. Yeah, it wasn't a great game. It was better than the the, the one before against Houston, which was a complete stinker. Um, the first half was pretty dull. The second half was a little better, but it, uh, to me, it just didn't have a lot of zip to it. It was still a little bit flat. Um, Seattle just they made so many line breaks and just didn't score. I mean, how many Shermer got a couple? Shermer got over the line and <laughs> and got tackled from behind. Uh, who was that? It was uh, Zinzan Elan put it? Uh, and Duchel, I don't know how many line breaks he made. At least two or three, uh, you know. And they, and they just weren't finishing them. Mm-hmm. Um, they really should have put Austin away by you know a good 15, 20 points in my opinion. And they um, they just they just didn't look uh, super sharp aside from those line breaks. Just lots of little basic errors and, and mistakes. Um, so, yeah, you know, it was just one of those games. It wasn't my favorite game of the weekend, that's for sure. I, I mean, you know, I was looking at this game. It was very physical. I really liked Nakai Penny's performance uh, for Seattle. It just sort of, I don't know, he just seemed like he was a kid having fun. And, you know, I thought it was a bit quiet, to be honest. I expected a little more from him. Uh, he, I thought he did really well coming off the bench in the last two games before that. Uh, maybe it was the heat. I don't know. Um, oh, I mean, he he had line breaks of his own, and I mean, his tackles and what he did around the ruck was what really impressed me. So, it I don't know. They I would say they were flat, but in the second half is when things changed completely. I don't know if it was the wind or whatever it was, but Austin like they were done. They, they just they played some good defense, but uh, well, Austin really. Uh, they really started getting hammered in the scrum when Patty Ryan went off. They, you know, he was a one man wrecking machine in there and he came off and all of a sudden their scrum went backwards. And as soon as your scrum starts going backwards, that just saps the legs out of the forwards. Right. Uh, from then on, it was just downhill for, for Austin. It was, uh, it was pretty much done. I mean, you can't, they've got Chris, Chris shade already playing, you know, at a position at loose head prop. Uh, and then he's forced to go and play tight head prop. Um, that, you know, that's just crazy. The scrums have been such a lottery in, the, in Major League Rugby with who's playing where. And uh, you just saw the effects. I just think that as soon as Patty Ryan went off, it was noticeable. Their pack was just finished after that. But I have to say, guys, even, even with all of that, all of the, those negative things coming from both teams, um, it, it kudos definitely to, to the T-Wolves from coming from an eight-point deficit because a half point was 16 to eight. And then they came to win by one point to 2019. So, you know, all things considered, they got the W. That's what matters. They always just amend their place uh, at second place in the leaderboard or the st- or the, the ladder, whatever you want to call it. So at the end of the day, okay win, but it's a win nonetheless. So I'll give them that at least. So uh, the, I guess the game I didn't watch uh, until Saturday morning. Uh, so Glendale came back. Uh, to the top, uh, they uh, had the bonus point win over Houston, thirty-seven to twenty-four. Uh, yeah, Maximo, Maximo De Acheval and Harley Davidson cut this thing up. Dylan Fawcett, I think, being released from Eagles camp uh, just for this match uh, was very important for just the attitude that he can bring. And he, for me, he really hadn't performed that well during the major league rugby campaign for him until last week. And then this week he had a really good game. And I think he's very, he's back in, 
his Eagles form that he was during the ARC. Yeah, I would agree with that. I uh, completely, really. He uh, really kind of had a slow season. I don't know if it was getting used to Glendale's style or whatever, but uh, he just wasn't quite making the impact we're used to seeing. The last couple of weeks, though, he stepped up um, against Houston. I thought he was very good. And it, it's interesting, both he and uh, Matias, who we'll talk about later, uh, both cut from the uh, the Eagles camp, and both of them looked like they had something to prove out there. Um, you know, I guess well, the question is, why didn't we see it earlier? Well, Fawcett didn't get cut. He was just well, no, I mean cut. I mean released for this weekend. I he mean, was just released from the match week. day squad. And uh, from what I understand, Matias is not back on the tr- the the reserves were Tolutau and Lamos Italian Fawcett. Yeah. So although Matias might be uh, coming back. With but, uh, you know, but they both uh, they both definitely played like they they needed to to show something or you know Gary Gold said something he wanted to see more from them and 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 I think we got it from both of them uh, but yeah Fawcett had a, had a very good game for for Glendale I thought he played uh, played well and you know not much to say about Harley Davidson three tries pretty much speaks for itself he uh, he's been impressive yeah uh, people are saying hey you know. <laughs> Give that kid a cap, but uh, one of the I would say one of the play, places we definitely have a long line is wing. Yeah, he's not there yet, but uh, he's he's worth keeping an eye on for sure. So, scrummaging in this game really was you know a, you know pretty good uh, from the SaberCats, and uh, you know there's been a lot of talk uh, about things going on with the SaberCats scrum, and but for the most part, I think. Uh, the connection was better with either Slater or Murphy, to be honest. But uh, they did need some work around the breakdown. I thought Yosefa a few times was kind of lost because uh, a ball like hit him like right, like hit him in the chest, <laughs> like he wasn't looking at it. <laughs> it was really weird. Yeah, he didn't quite have the impact that maybe we thought he'd have. But I, you know, maybe that's to be expected. His first start of the season, and he just hasn't played a whole lot of rugby uh, since switching back from football. So, um, you know. Really, I guess he just needed a handoff from somebody. <laughs> so, I think this is the game where I mean, I'd been, I've been pounding the Raptors on their depth and their train and how they tra- they don't train nearly as often as some of the teams. But you know, all their Eagles vice one were gone, uh, and they uh, they showed why they they're the Raptors. I have to say, guys, that this was definitely my favorite game of the round, so I want to mention it later when we get it, asked that question. And, but definitely playing at home, the Raptors show their dominance. And and in my view, that was against a very emphatic um, Houston Sabercats team, which was losing 31-12 to by halftime, but sort of came back and lost 37-24, a little bit more respectable. And as you just mentioned, um, Aaron, Hardy Davidson, and Maximo Chaval were just eating people up. Especially, especially Harley. Definitely happy that he got Man of the Match uh, honors once again. But this goes back to uh, to the reason why the, the the Raptors are so dominant is the the depth they have in their player pool. Even with all those great players that was that went to Eagles camp, they still ended up getting a, a win and with a big margin on top of that too. So all things considered, it was great. The thing I think you see with Glendale is that, uh, I mean, obviously they pick their players well. They, they only bring in people, uh, as Dave Williams says, people that fit in to what he's looking for. But uh, 
they're one of those teams where players play above themselves uh, in the t- in the team. It's like they have to live up to the Glendale Raptors reputation when they put the jersey on. Uh, even looking at a guy, Cody O'Neill, how many people knew who he was uh, a few weeks ago? I thought he, he went around. Uh, I think he's done pretty well um, for them and, uh, you know, in the capacity that he's been asked to uh, perform. Um, you know, Mika Cruze has been playing all over the back line. He's been standing up. I mean, obviously he's a talented player. Uh, you know, even a guy like John Ryberg, who has been injured and hasn't played a lot this season, but he's a, you know, he's really developed into a, a pretty formidable winger. Um, so it's just, you know, take one out and put another one in and you might lose a little bit of, you know, Eagles class on top, but, you know, Max Dashaval looked pretty comfortable at 10. I have to say that cross kick, uh, right at the beginning of the game was a good indication that, uh, Glendale were up for that one. Oh, I mean, Dashaval brought, he brought something to 10. It was like, uh, it was like they didn't lose, they didn't lose anything and they gained something. So. Really? And I'm not even used to, used to seeing uh, Maximum play fly half that often because I'm already used to seeing him as a fullback. So it was quite something seeing him play out of position and still just rip the other team apart, which is quite something. And by the way, guys, let me ask you, speaking of, uh, since I mentioned the depth in the, in the player pool with the Raptors, those players that they put to replace the ones that went to, to Eagles camp, a lot of them, do any of them play often with the Merlins by any chance? Um... No, I, don't think, I don't think any of them do. Not really. I, I think uh, Brian Wanless uh, played early on with the Merlins, but he was also playing with the Raptors at the same time. He just, you know, wasn't selected. But he's played a lot with the Raptors. <laughs> some oh, of the guys, I think, I think some of the guys they, ex- I think they expected more from their program than originally they, when what actually came out. Um, but. Uh, it really hasn't been uh, that much of a mix this year. Maybe it mm. will be, you know, later on, especially as guys like come back from injury and need rehab starts. It might happen, but not really this year. Speaking of the Raptors, whatever happened to the the Georgian players that they had playing in the Merlins? So those Merlins? guys, so those guys play with the Merlins. Uh, okay. They play with the Merlins pretty much all year. One of their Georgia, one of the Georgian guys did play a. At least, I think two games. I need to look at the roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kendor, something is really. Kerdikas, really, but he didn't. I don't think he played any regular season games, though. So. Mm, yeah. um, I know it was something really. But uh, moving on to the last game of the weekend, uh, you know, San Diego defeated New Orleans 39 to 22. This, for me, it was sort of the ugliest of the three matches. San Diego responded to their, their thumping in Austin. And, you know, they face Austin again uh, this week at home. So we'll see. I think that determines a lot of uh, the playoffs right there. But, uh, you know, for me, New Orleans showed a lot of heart in this match. The rugby gods have really been unfair to them with injuries. If you look at (laughs) who's been taken out over the season, it's a lot of first-choice players that would start in a lot of places. Yeah, I I thought uh, when I saw the lineups, I was a little worried about picking San Diego, but uh, um, I was pleasantly surprised. To be honest, I kind of think that was their most imp- uh, impressive performance of the season, losing all those guys. I mean, pretty much I think two-thirds of the starting lineup was either with the Eagles or sitting back in San Diego having a drink on the beach. And, uh, you know, the, they stepped up. And they looked uh, 
they looked amazingly cohesive to be frank with so yeah. many new guys just thrown in there i thought uh thought they did really well and uh, they just overwhelmed new orleans early and only was, that i'm sorry and not only that that was a vital win by the legion to cement their, their place and at fourth place in the in the standings for them to go to the playoffs so that was a again super important win and the goal obviously they tried their hardest they were by the halftime they were losing 22 to 10 again score ends up 39 22 which is a little closer but still yeah i was uh, i mean you know especially up front for me i was a I was very surprised with uh, Nate Sylvia uh, playing because the last time when he had come off the bench, I was really, you know, I mean, very, you know, like his resume, he's a very talented player. But I didn't really see that much uh, before this weekend uh, so far this season. But he had a great game. Uh, you And, you know, one of their weapons that is just so hard to stop is that driving mall, which, you know, that's where you get a prop try. Uh, in the second half of the match from him. And I thought he did very well uh, up against uh, Hubert. I didn't. You know? I mean, uh, you know, I I think Hubert's put on, like, had some really good performances, and I think this was an okay one, but he wasn't, you know, being nearly as dominant as I <laughs> thought he was going to be against Sylvia because of how Sylvia had played earlier in the season. Yeah, well, I mean, Hubert's about 300 years old. He can't do it forever. Uh, he, uh, yeah, I was impressed with Nate Sylvia, too. Um, again, same thing. When he came on last time, he looked a little intimidated, maybe. He just wasn't quite uh, up to, I don't know, the intensity of the match. But he, I thought he came through really well. Uh, scored a try at the end. Uh, he played like 70 minutes or something like that. He played uh, much of the game. So that was a very good performance from him. <clears throat> And we, uh, you know, tag leader, fly half back again. It's kind of it's kind of funny. You get, they've got – how many fly halves do they have right now? They've got uh, – so they've got tag leader, Ben Sima. Uh, Kyle Rogers was on the bench from U of A. It's like uh, – um, they've, like, they've got like five fly halves right now. Mm. And then you've are you, got – Are you kind of Mason too? Mungo Mason's not a fly half. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was. A flanker. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Flanker. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm fine. I'm Mungo, sorry. And then you've got guys like Tony Lamborn and Mungo Mason who've run into some visa issues. Uh, you know, they've got a really talented squad that are – it's just – I don't know. They've they've played weirdly throughout the season, and this sort of like, as Brian, you said, is this was probably their most cohesive performance, and, you know, ha- half the team is injured or gone. Thank you, Ray. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. I didn't expect it to be honest. Um, you know, I'm on my uh, MLR picks at the USA Rugby site, and Curtis picked uh, Curtis picked Nola, and I picked San Diego, and uh, I was nervous. <laughs> I was nervous going in, but but they did well. I have to I have to give it. To, I thought uh, uh, Matias had a big game. Um, I think he was a bit of a mismatch. Him at outside center against uh, Tongawea. Uh, it's been a little bit unfair on Tongawi has been stuck in the forwards for most of the season to, to throw him into a game at outside center against, uh, you know, an Eagle <laughs> at a good one. Um, yeah. yeah, that's tough for him. He got scorched in the outside a couple times. Yeah. Uh, that was Matias basically was like, I'm still here, man. I still yeah. want somebody gets injured. You're calling me up. He played, pretty emphatic. he played pretty intensely. Uh, <laughs> And that was that was really good. I really liked his performance uh, on the weekend. 
moving forward, uh, so the United States defeated Russia in the Cold War. 62 to 13 actually it was very hot in colorado uh you know talking to some guys is like the last time we played russia is like oh i remember it was halftime and they started to melt in sacramento and i was like oh i was like oh which is what happened really in this game Uh, you know if you if you listen to what gary gold had to say after the match he was really not pleased uh, one of his KPIs for this game was to enter the Russians 22, 15 times and score. Not like just total, but they didn't enter the Russia 22, I think more than six or seven times. And they didn't score each, each one of those times, but, uh, offensively we had a, you know, nine try performance, uh, two, two try performances from Joe Tafate and, uh, Marcel Brocky. So, it was really up and down. There was, uh, for me, there was two periods. Uh, first in the first half, uh, at the, right at the beginning, about ten minutes, where we just played very poorly and mm-hmm. got beat physically. And then we had that again in the second half, except that uh, you know, Russia did not play well in the second half at all. Yeah, it was pretty telling. I mean, those guys are used to playing in the frozen tundra, Krasnoyarsk. So, I mean, it's uh, quite a bit difference coming into the South. Uh, yeah, Russia didn't have a lot in this. I didn't expect a whole lot from them. Um, I probably would have expected a little bit lower score, but uh, hey, credit to the Eagles for for uh, making the most, really, of their opportunities. Um, like I said, slow start they got off to, but uh, they recovered and, you know, they blasted what like 23 tries in the last 10 minutes, something like that. Um, <laughs> I mean, they just have class really. I mean, you look at the, and it's pretty, I guess, exciting as a time to be an Eagles fan. Looking at the team now that they, they look like a professional side, they look like professional yep. players um, for once, which is, uh, which is really cool to see after so many years of kind of, you know, a few amateurs and a few pros and just kind of a knickknack t- side thrown together. Uh, they look, you know, sure, Gary Gold will be upset, and that's his job. He's a coach. He wants perfection. But, uh, you know, it's hard to complain about a 60-point game too much. Um, certainly from my point of view up north, I would have been <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay for, with that performance. There were some folks that thought, uh, you know, Paul Mullen starting at Tidehead was a bit of a gamble. And I've just been like, you know, anyone who's listened to me or read what I've written, I've been pretty much down on Chris Bowman's form for a while. And part of that was like he played, apparently he played last summer injured and it just really, he just did not look good. I mean, and then in the second half, I'm talking to a friend of mine. He's like, Bowman comes in and Bowman looks good. <laughs> I'm just like, what is going on? And, but Paul Mullen's 60 minute effort uh, looks like a test level tight head yeah i thought he did well uh he stayed in quite i think it was like 68th minute or something like that when bowman came it was pretty late um which i think was really part of the plan just uh by gary gold just to have a a good look at paul mullen and and the situation and uh i thought he did well did well in the scrums did well in the loose you know didn't try and do too much he just did his job which is what he's supposed to do um, and that's good. It's great for them to have some, uh, to have another alternative. So now they've got him, they got Bowman, they've got Patty Ryan, who's coming back to fitness and, uh, looking like a beast in the scrum, although he could probably lay off the pies a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, 
TT, uh, of course, can play uh, loose head or tight head, depending on what they've got. Um, Dino you know, Waldron, whenever he comes back. Big Dino. It's uh, yeah, they've got uh, they've got some options. So it's good. I would for be them. I would be a bit more like confident with the rest of this tour if Dino was on the squad. But someone was I know it was mentioned on the broadcast that he's in he was in Colorado. Yes, uh, Dino is in Colorado. However, uh, he's. Not cleared to play because he's yeah no he had shoulder surgery. He's recovering from shoulder surgery. I was like, guys, he's 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 injured, (laughs) you know. Yeah. But um, so tell us about the game that was played in front of twelve thousand people, but it looked like less because there wasn't a game there. There was no contest. You guys walked in, they trampled us, and they went home. You guys looked all right in the. I mean, I think you're smoking something really strong. If you think scoreline. Scoreline looked good for about 50 minutes. Listen, I, as a Canadian uh, and having watched every game for the last forever, it gets really tiring to hear the same old post-game report of, hey, guys, we were really brave in defense. <laughs> we tackled our hearts out again and again and again. Like, you know. <sighs> 48 to 10, right? What's the score? Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. The wheels, Scotland's- the, the wheels fell off. The wheels <laughs> fell off. We had not. We offered nothing in offense. Uh, the one try we got was a penalty try. Okay, we made something there, and there was an overlap. Uh, if Rory Jackson didn't have a brain fart there, he might have actually made the tackle and stopped the try. Um, you know, we had a one penalty goal at the beginning of the game, and that's it. We didn't have anything else. We didn't even have another penalty attempt other than that. Uh, we really looked completely, I don't know, thoughtless going forward. Kicked the ball away too much. Uh, in defense, I thought we were completely complacent. We were happy to sit back and just let them run at us all game. I mean, yeah, sure, they got some big ball runners, and uh, you know, it's it's not easy going against guys like that. But I thought we had no line speed. I thought we had no uh, urgency. There's a couple guys out there. Olmstead is always trying to make a mess of every tackle and breakdown. But I mean, I I don't know if we won any collisions in that game. It was just I saw very little. Uh, to get excited, but the scrums were okay. Um, but you know, are we going to survive? Are we going to qualify for the World Cup uh, with a scrum and uh, you know, a, guy, a bunch of guys who just want to tackle for eighty minutes? <sighs> you know, granted, we've got lots well, of injuries. It depends on who's the rep of shots, you know. Jeez, <laughs> it was pretty disheartening from my from my perspective. Now, thankfully, we've got Russia coming up. Uh, surely, we'll do better against them. Uh, if we don't beat them, then. We have a problem. Does exactly. Phil does Phil Max stay in camp with that's Canada a, the rest of the way? That's a good question. Gordon McCrory is now injured, so he's out. Exactly. So and, and Seattle's qualified, so it's not as big a deal for them. Although I'm sure he'd like to be back, you know, because he's the coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that. Uh, maybe somebody out there watching, if they know, send us a tweet, give us an insider report. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, I'd love to see Andrew Ferguson get a start. I think he does. I think he's done well every opportunity he's been given, um, and I can't understand why he's constantly being put in the game with two minutes to go. Uh, that's a real bugbear of mine about Canadian selections. Is why uh, Ray Barkwell and Phil Mack are still in the game in the seventy-fifth minute of a blowout. Why are we not putting in? What's point of bringing in Eric Howard if he's not going to play that was the I mean I was like that's rugby uh, is an 80 minute game rugby is an 80 minute game and you have eight subs 
and yeah. use them. Yeah. It's yeah. not like uh, it's not like it was a two point game. We were desperate to hang on or anything. I mean, the game was gone. It was long gone. Why not give these guys a run against uh, tier one opposition? Well, I mean, uh, they more than made up for it. You guys had you guys played five minutes of extra time. Yeah, should have ended it. Mm-hmm. And by the way, guys, going back with the the Russian team to play USA just now, I'm looking actually at the the lineout, and of the 15 starters, nine play uh, with um with Yenisei. Yenisei, yeah, exactly. And then two play with with Krasnyar. Two play with um with VVA, which is a team from Monino, and one guy plays in Moscow and Slava. But the whole team, for the most part, is that one. Yenisei and then everyone else. And look what happened. <laughs> well, Yenisei is the uh, the team that plays in the... Uh, in the challenge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, she's been the Continental Shield now. So Continental kind of makes sense. That's right. But, oh, no, uh, the Challenge Cup. That's right. Not in the Challenge Shield. That's the one. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, Kana get, gets on a train and takes the, like, Trans-Siberian Railway to get there and then, you know, plays and <clears> it's literally frozen tundra. That was always... That's a great yeah. video. Whenever people tell me they don't play in the snow, I just... Let's pull that one up. <laughs> to be fair to to, uh, to Russia as well, they were missing. Uh, you know, they were missing Andrei Ostrikov, who's their best yeah. second row by a long yeah. way. Yeah. They were right. missing uh, Viktor Gresev, who's got you know ninety eight thousand caps, and um, uh, a whole bunch of guys. Denis Simplikovic is their big six five mm-hmm. winger. Yeah, He's with right. the seven side. Vladimir Ostroshko. I don't know if he'd really be first choice in the side. Herman Davidov. Uh, you know they. They're well, uh, maybe they'll players. have uh, less visa issues when they travel to Canada. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, me, by the way, Brian, let me ask you: Is uh, Astrakhan uh, healthy? Because it seems to I me that so, the Russian yeah. team never puts him on. Pretty sure he yeah. was supposed to be in the states, but uh, got caught in immigration. Yeah, well, no, because he's coming from sale. There was a player that got—I don't know which player it was i think it was ostrakov that got caught in immigration oh dude because uh, I, mean, I don't know what it, i don't know why i i but that that was the story okay um yeah i don't, I don't think it was ostrakov he wasn't training with the side when they were over they were training in uh, in the uk before they came over and he was not with it ostrakov just doesn't really show up for the team much um <clears throat> just because he's with sale all the time and he gets he wants his time off he, he comes in for the big games I, because I mean, I assume it was the Russian uh, Russian Union that doesn't want to play him often because Russians love to play their guys from their their league and and really not bother with the guys that left the country for whatever reason. Because it's the same thing in soccer; they got all the guys from the, their their league, no one really from well, the other team. Ostrakov was there for the World Cup qualifiers, so mm-hmm. I don't remember. I think it's just a matter of you know him taking a break. That's all. Him committing okay. to those games and sitting out June, and then you know he'll be back next year, I guess, in the build up to the World Cup. Oh no, yeah, he has. Yes. Guys, um, by the way, another topic that we need to talk about, which we didn't mention pre pre starting, is the under twenty trophy qualifier, which happen is happening this week. Canada yeah, so USA tomorrow at Texas A and M, and then Saturday, I think it's midday. I'll be at that game for uh, at that Rice, and then as soon as that game's over, I'll be heading over to uh, the Old Maroon tailgate with our friend Grant Cole. Uh, and then going up to the press box when this game finally kicks off at nine local. Uh-huh. It's it's late uh, for when uh, the test kicks off, so that'll be fun. So wait a minute. So the kids are playing tomorrow, tomorrow Tuesday, and on Saturday. Yeah, they play a doubleheader. 
okay. or double, not not a doubleheader, but a two game series. So on the aggregate, same week, though. So yeah, yeah. Aggregate winner goes to the mm-hmm. Junior World Trophy up in Romania. Yeah. And then, um, but uh, I was asked by our fr- by our boy over at BC Rugby News today if uh, it was going to be broadcast at all. It's not, and it's not. <laughs> ne- no. Neither game. Neither. <laughs> what? I don't know about Saturday, but definitely not tomorrow. Wow, dude, that sucks. I well, it's like the future right there. This is what happens when you sell things to. Uh, I was gonna say, I think this is a fallout from a certain, uh, you know, company that lost a lot of money. <sighs> so, so, that sucks. Dang it, dude! I had so much fun watching the one from two years ago. Yeah. Well, I'm. I mean, I watched the one I watched last year when Rugby Canada had it on Facebook Live. So, mm-hmm. there was and that. Yeah, that was gorgeous. <laughs> Oh, well, so tell me, um, who are we cheering for for that one? Uh, obviously, the United States. Thank you, right? What do you, th- <laughs> what do you, th- what do you say to that, Brian? You, th- you think uh, the Junior Maple Leafs have it? I'm just looking at the lineups. I haven't even seen the lineups yet, to be honest. Uh, where's the uh, – I thought the U.S. starting lineup was already announced. Is it, um, it is. I'm so pretty sure I saw it today. Or maybe wait, no, my no, that wasn't. Uh-uh. That wasn't the starting lineup, I don't think, because I asked about it. Uh, yeah, no, the Canadian lineup was named today. Saw uh, that. There's a couple good names in there. Quentin James, uh, for those of you uh, who are familiar with the name, Mike James, former Canadian lock, uh, Stade Francais, um, pretty good player. His son, Quentin James, is at the Perpignan Academy. He's uh, oh. playing in the second row. He's a good player. Um Jack McRogers, Ontario Arrows hooker. Uh, yep. He's in the side. Tyler Rowland, he's a big UBC Thunderbirds tight head prop. He's massive. Uh, he went and spent some time in the uh, Crusaders Academy. James O'Neill, the open side from UVic. He's uh, our next great hope. He's a pure groundhog type flanker. He's a good player. Is he captain? He's probably captain of the side. Will Priscilla, I'm pretty high on him. He's UBC scrum half. Um Used to go by Will Priscilla McDougal, so I don't know what happened to the McDougal part, but Priscilla is, I guess, easier to say. Uh, he also spent time down in the Crusaders Academy, one of those little, uh, I don't know, two or three weeks or something like that. Uh, I think he's from Hong Kong originally, with uh, French Canadian parents. I think um, he's a really good player. I'm pretty high on him. Uh, let's see who else they got in here. Jack McCarthy, left winger, is about 6'5 from Newfoundland. Uh, he's fast. Uh, Elias Ergus from UBC is pretty fast in the other wing. Verkes, another UBC guy in the midfield, he's a hard runner. And Prevost, the fullback from UVic, is a really good kicker. So, uh, you know, that's there's some good prospects on there. Um, I haven't seen, I haven't had time to watch uh, any, or actually, I don't even know if the video's up there. I think it is. Uh, they're warm up games. Um, so I'm not really uh, sure how they're going to go, but they've got some talent there. Uh, of course, the, uh, the All Americans is. Have some decent players too. Yeah, there's uh the All Americans. It's a pretty good roster. What we're missing is like Cal guys, and you know, from what I understand, Cal guys are always, um, you know, uh, they're allowed to go. It's but for some reason they just choose not to. Uh, maybe they, I don't know what the pressure is because Jack Clark says that he's more than willing to let guys go up. So, but they don't. Um, but. <laughs> Uh, Devin Short played on Sunday, so I don't expect him to play on, on Tuesday. Tuesday. So, 
Uh, he played on Sunday for the San Diego Legion. Um, but you've got some big names. David Ayunu from Toulouse uh, Academy. He signed a three-year deal with Toulouse, so uh, he'll be there for a while, which is really good. Um, you know, Ruben DeHaas from the Free State Cheetahs, he just signed a two-year deal there. And Bronson Telez from U of A. Sam Walsh from Scotts College in uh, New Zealand is in. And then uh, so you got William Wegis pack from Nola Gold. Uh, Max Dacey. That's a huge and, second row. You know, and uh, who else is from Glendale on here? And Alec Letty, who I don't believe I've seen. And also Ryan James from uh, the Glendale Raptors Academy as well. But uh, I don't know if uh, the qualifier on Saturday is being televised, but I do know that I will be there, so I'll tweet about it. By um, the way, guys, it just hit me. The <clears throat> game is tomorrow. I'm in Houston. Why I don't go? It's well, it's in college. It's in College Station at Texas A&M. But if you want to go, yeah, no, I'll, t- I'll it's, tell. It's, I'll t- it's free. And yeah, it's yeah, out. yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm looking at the thing. I'm telling my, uh, yeah, um, I'll tell my buddy Edward to to see if he wants to go. And you're hired. I, I t- I'll show him the, uh, a course bit course. of. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll let my buddy know. See if he can. Live tweeting from your from the dirt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Okay. So, guys, I make no promises to the other <laughs> listeners, but I will definitely have my phone. I'll charge it <laughs> so it doesn't happen like it happened the other time, and I'll live tweet uh, from our account to the game on Tuesday because I'm do, do a little bootleg broadcast for us with your iPhone. Just, yeah. I'll, I'll see. I'll, I'll see. I'll, well, I actually have it. It's, it's Samsung Galaxy S six oh, plus whatever. But I will do it from this one. I'm not. I'm actually gonna be here only until Thursday, so I'm not gonna be here for the Saturday game um, because I, I really wanted to go to Scotland USA, but unfortunately I couldn't. Um, but, um, but yeah, but I'm definitely going to go to the game tomorrow. Hopefully I'll take my, my buddy and my wife over there. So the three of us can go and watch the game. So run through some accolades this week. Uh, the major league rugby player of the week was Harley Davidson hat trick performance. Uh, pretty much nothing to say there. And I forgot what the play of the week was. So we'll move on. What was your guys game of the week? I guess Seattle at Austin for me, but. You know, most of these games, I, I just I, – it was kind of rough for me. Uh, well, I mentioned before, guys, again, the the Glenn, <clears throat> excuse me, the Glendale Raptors uh, game definitely was my, my – definitely my favorite one, them just going over the, the Sabercats. So, yeah, that was definitely my favorite one. Yeah, Glendale-Houston for sure. And really, it's uh, – it's, Credit to the Sabercats for doing something in the second half. Otherwise, it would have been mm-hmm. just a brutal beatdown. Seriously, um, man, dude, yeah. I, I feel for the Sabercats. We had so high hopes for that team. And the league starts, drops. Dang it. I, I was like, I, watching the game, and I, I'm on, you know, on demand, and I, I stop asking Grant. I was like, is, is Elkins really – 240 pounds because he don't look 240 pounds he looks like maybe 220 and he's like yeah i was like that dude is cut up he, you could put another i don't know what you're looking at but he looks 240 pounds to me the guy's massive uh he you know him coming in with like 15 minutes to go scores two tries you know i just looked at that and as i was updating the scoring leaders i realized those are his only tries of the season 
uh, you know, before the season, he is one of the guys I expected was going to really uh, impress. And he's hardly even seen the field. He's hardly seen the ball. I think that's a, been a major problem for, for Houston. Yeah, the last 15 minutes, they moved the ball they used with, uh, you know, and they just used those weapons that they have. And they just they haven't been able to do that this season for whatever reason. And it's just frustrating to see that, that uh, you know, they had have, they have potential to win. They just fell flat. Um, so, week eight predictions. Uh, Seattle at Austin was 20 to 19. I had Seattle minus two on that. So, uh, not bad. Josh had Austin minus three, and then Nick had Seattle minus seven. And Corey, where the heck did you pull this one? Yeah, well, so here's the thing. Uh, I think just about all of my scores last week were probably, I don't know, I I, I may have been possessed. I may have been drunk. Well, one, one of them you were close, so. <laughs> I, it was not a great weekend of predictions for me. So let's just put it that way. Uh, I had Seattle at uh, minus 14 for my guest for last week. <laughs> I, I felt like they were going to go down there and uh, handle things. And, I mean, they did ultimately handle it, just not quite as well as I thought they would. So. Oh, you mean you thought they would win by 14? Yeah, so the minus yeah. is the – on lines, it's like a betting line. So minus oh, – You guys are going weird. Minus is who's favored. You know, a normal person would say Seattle plus fourteen. Yeah, I said. No, we're 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 Vegas over here. Okay. Yeah, well, we're not normal. Let's put it that way. <laughs> now it's okay, Corey. All we have to do is just erase that four, and boom, look. Now it's minus one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, 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 you got you got my back. Thank you so much. Um, so next game was Sabercats at Glendale. Glendale wins thirty-seven to twenty-four. I was way off. I had Glendale minus five. Uh, Josh had Glendale minus seven, and Nick had, Nick by three. had Houston minus three, so he was yeah. way off. And the closest one was actually Corey. Dang. Well, uh, closest without going over, I think I'd lose. Um, I said, <laughs> I said Glendale was going to win by thirty. Dang. <laughs> they did not. Uh, that man. I just, oh. I, I don't know. Things got weird. Um, honestly, they're not getting any more normal this week. So when we get to that. <laughs> Uh, so the last game of the week was uh, San Diego defeated NOLA 39-22. Uh, you know, I thought NOLA was, you know, they had some, like, Maupin was, you know, running healthy. Elof was running healthy. I thought things would be okay. And, uh, you know, San Diego wouldn't be able to deal with the humidity. And apparently I was way wrong. Uh, I had NOLA minus one. Uh, Josh had San Diego minus five. Nick had NOLA minus three. And Corey. Uh, Nola minus five. So it sounds like Josh was the big winner on that one. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, as always, more than willing to be wrong every week. Uh, but uh, I did okay. You, I'm at least getting two right each week instead of zero. Mm. So the conclusion is we suck. <laughs> oh, well, you suck because I wasn't in last week. Uh, so week nine, we've got... Uh, two games on Saturday. They are not at the same time. Thank, Thank God. God. Um, so Nola at Utah is the first game. I've got Utah minus seven. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Utah uh, by about seven. Sounds about right. 
I'll I'll go different guys and I'll go Nola just to give them the benefit of the doubt and I'll say by ten. Okay, I'm gonna go Utah by fourteen then. You're gonna see me lose all this uh, most likely, but I'm, I'm gonna go different for everyone else because if they win, then I'll say, ah, I was right, and you guys were all wrong. So, um, oh, no, I have transactions there. Throwing transactions this week. Um, <laughs> Seattle at Glendale. I've got Glendale minus two, unless Ooh. Bill Mack comes back, and then I'll probably put it by four. <laughs> <laughs> like, what happened, like what happened with the play uh, in Starfire? <laughs> so, so uh, Brian, what you got? Brian, what do you got? Yeah, it's uh, depends who Seattle plays at nine, really. Um, if Phil's back, that's a big boost. Um, I might be tempted to lean towards Seattle. Um, without Phil, you got to go with Glendale. So, tentative pick for now. I'm gonna go Glendale, and I'm gonna go Glendale plus plus seven. So plus seven meaning they win by seven, not Vegas rules. Okay, cool. Well, uh, yep. I'm gonna go Seattle, guys. Again, I'm gonna go different from everyone else. Also going to go by converted tribe. So Seattle winning by seven points. Okay, so here's where things get weird. I'm gonna go ahead and say that this is gonna be a tie game. The first one in, in Major League Rugby history. First one. And this is going to set up the championship game <laughs> in San Diego where oh. Seattle and Glendale are going to play again. Oh, so I, I think that would be a fantastic way to lead into uh, uh, the uh, playoffs. I really dude, do. Dude, so. I would love that. I would love that. Yeah, I think it'll be a great game either way. I would love so, that. Um, the final game of the weekend is Austin Elite at San Diego Legion on Sunday. I have – I'm going to Austin minus five because really they've only lost one guy uh, from that squad, and that's Hanko. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, they, they, they tore him up the last time. So I think uh, it's going to be a bit higher scoring on both sides because – uh, well, I don't, I don't expect San Diego to just get shut down at home. I think uh, San Diego has the bit between their teeth now, and I'm picking them to beat Austin and uh, earn their playoff spot. Um, I'm going to pick San Diego by five. Well, guys, I'm going to go San Diego as well. I'll give it by ten. Let's, let's go ten. And I'll throw in San Diego by seven. So it looks like, Aaron, you're standing alone on that one. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's see if it happens. And by the way, guys, real Ooh. quick, uh, before we move on, um, because we got a, a question by friend of the show, Liam Poach, uh, down on the, the chat, which we haven't mentioned, so I'm just going to bring it up right now. Um, he It's a question regarding the, the Norla score with um, uh, the, the Legion. The question is, and I quote, do you guys think Nola losing the way they did essentially handed San Diego the playoffs? My answer is yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because although they're still mathematically possible uh, to make it, um, Austin has to win, and they San Diego can't get a bonus point uh, the rest of the way. Uh, they have to lose, um, and then Utah also has to lose and not get a bonus point after this weekend. Yeah, New Orleans is out. Forget it. 
<laughs> they're done. They're, they're mathematically in it, but they're done. Yeah, because, I mean, they play Utah this week, so that means they would have to beat Utah by a good margin to get the, you know, the four points and then the try bonus point. And then, you know, Utah would have to not lose to San Diego the next week. So, but, uh, yeah. So, I think it's going to be – well, everything sort of runs through San Diego right now for those uh, last two spots. Mm-hmm. Because they can, they really control the destiny by playing Austin and Utah, the last two on their schedule. So, um, moving on, uh, we'll do the USA versus Scotland preview, and then Canada versus Russia preview by Brian Ray. So for me, uh, you know, I think at the tight head position, we've got Paul Mullen shoring that up. He performed pretty well against Russia. Uh, you know, uh, Gary Gold's a uh, He's not. He's a consistency guy. He doesn't make a lot of changes. Uh, I think uh, James Hiltonbrand may have broken his wrist. That update hasn't come out, but uh, I know he had an HIA, but he was also holding on to his wrist uh, during the like when he came out. So uh, that leaves us Joe Tofate, and then uh, Olive Khalifi had his had his eye gouge. So I don't know if you know he's going to be able to make it. Uh, so I think that brings T.D. Lamosatelli in at loose head. And I think T.D. Lamosatelli is going to start, and that gives you a crazy front row with Paul Mull, with T, was it Lamosatelli, Tofate, and Mullen uh, for, you know, one of the first times we've ever had like that. Uh, I, well, you know, he the plan is to play a continuous attacking style with uh, two fly halves on the pitch at fullback and at 10. So just continue pressuring the opposite side, pushing it deep. Um, you know, Scott, this is what I think. If Scotland has a bad day and we play out of our mind, we've got a shot. If we're off by any stretch, we could get run out of the building. So that's, I, I think it'll be a, a heck of a lot closer than the game in Edmonton. Um yeah, I would agree. I think uh, I think the USA is a dark horse in this one. They could, if they uh, if they if they pick it up another notch from where they were against Russia, then and they've got a shot. Uh, Scotland really isn't that great. They're uh, you know obviously this is like their you know second third string guys pretty much straight through. They've lost Fraser Brown probably for this week. Uh, they've lost Lee Jones in the wing. Uh, they called in Dougie Fife, I think. Um, you know they're okay, but. They're nothing special. They're not doing anything magical or anything. They're bring, playing straightforward rugby. Uh, they beat. I mean, those driving malls were an embarrassment. Uh, I don't think you guys are going to concede like that. Um, and certainly, you can you can throw up Savetta to at least disrupt the line and throw. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a good game. I'm I'm looking forward to that one. Well, guess what I'm expecting is to to see that the Eagles are going to put a good good couple of minutes. And then Scotland is probably going to just run them over. I really hope it doesn't happen because uh, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that negative Nancy. Can but, you see uh, Paul Lasiki getting run over all game? Really? <laughs> Seriously? Definitely not. Definitely not. not by no Scott. I want to see him up against that Scott. Be, I want to see him no Scott. Scott so, so look at how big. Look at how big this team is, Victor. And they just played in altitude and in the heat. So they're coming down to sea level. Yes, they're going to play. Uh, 
in a humid ass place, but Scotland's coming down to sea level and playing in a humid ass place too. So the weather effects are pretty much the same. And you know, these guys are used to playing in humidity. Ours are. I don't know no, about theirs. No, definitely uh, not. Listen, Vic, you got to keep in mind that the Canadian team that we threw out there, half the guys hadn't hardly played a game of rugby in weeks. Mm. The guys, you know, our domestic guys played two warm-up games against the Arrows a few minutes here and there. Courtesy, courtesy of the yeah, Canadian rugby union. We don't need to union. talk about that decision. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, versus Major League Rugby, which is a pretty significant advantage for you guys right now. So I would not be worried about them getting blown out. If they get blown out, I would be shocked. Frankly, I think it'll be a very close game. Dang it. Okay. Uh, well, so, so the Maple Leafs versus the Russians. What do you got? Yeah, everyone can't wait to watch that game. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I got to pick Canada in this one. I can't imagine they actually lose to uh, Russia. Well, I can, but I'll, I will dare not to. Um you know, I'll be interested to see what the selections are like this week. I'd love to see some different guys play, but again, you know, maybe they just want to get a win, secure some confidence ahead of the USA game. So I don't know how they're going to pick the team, really. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, apparently they were suffering from some illness ahead of uh, the Scotland game. No, that, no doubt that didn't help. Um, hopefully they'll be cleared up this week. Yeah, I think Canada probably wins this by about uh, – um, I don't even know, man. <laughs> the offense was so bad. <laughs> like, can they even score 10 points? Uh, I'll pick them by 10 points over Russia, but uh, I don't think it's going to be a pretty game. I think it's going to be not very exciting. A lot of bad mistakes from both sides, I think. Uh, yeah, I think I think this um, – this the, the match should be – it should go the way – of the Canadians, I think. I just got, you know, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt. I think after the whole uh, losing to, to Scotland and playing a team the level of Russia, I mean, it's going to, it's like the equivalent of seeing the flash running and then you get used to how fast it goes and then you see a turtle. So that's, I'm, I'm going to put it that way. Going to you know to- that, you know that the Russians are, are higher ranked, right? Yes. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. More but, but since they play the fifth best, fifth, uh, the fifth best team in the world, playing the nineteenth best, and Canada being I think twenty first now in the world, I think they may be able to get over the Russians. I think I'm gonna give them I, the benefit of the doubt. You know, like I spent a lot of time with Canadians, you know, especially the sevens guys. So I really root for, I really root for Le Rouge a lot. But it's really, I don't know, like. You guys aren't giving me hope, Brian. Yeah, there's, there's. Do I look very hopeful to you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing the hat, but uh, you know, it's it's frustrating. It's it's been frustrating. Uh, you know, a little while ago, I was saying it was a frustrating few months. It's a frustrating few years. <laughs> um, you know, Canadians just want to see some some decent rugby coming out of these guys. You can't blame the players. The players are giving up. You know, they're doing what they can do. Um, you know, we just, we've got injuries. We don't have a domestic platform. There's so much that needs to be worked on and, and the confidence just isn't where it needs to be right now. Um, you know, I just want to see somebody make some big hits for once. I want to see some offensive tackles, you know, that used to be, 
kind of the signature of the Canadian side for years. Didn't matter what happened when you played Canada, you were gonna you were gonna get physically beat up, whether it was Danny Baugh or Al Sharon or Rod Snow or Jeb Sinclair, or Jamie Cudmore. I mean, these guys just roll off the tongue, and now you're like, man, who's gonna make a big hit? Um, so I just want to see a couple big hits in defense, get uh, get some confidence back in the side, <laughs> give give some some kind of positive uh, signal to Canadians that uh, that we're moving in the right direction ahead of these repechage in the fall. And I think a lot of people are overconfident uh, for the repechage as they were against Uruguay. Um, and I hope they're not taking it lightly because, uh, <laughs> man, it would suck to get embarrassed at the repechage. Seriously. Seriously. So, moving on to Tweet of the Week. Yeah. And uh, since Dan's not with us tonight, I'll go ahead and cover uh, cover the tweet. And uh, this is going to be a first for the EOD podcast. I am going to do an entirely emoji tweet. And uh, this one we have uh, to thank one of our own for. This uh, tweet was produced uh, following the USA-Russia match this weekend by Aaron Castro. And uh, following that game and the U.S.'s uh, strong win, he simply said, I say simply in quotation marks, Rugby ball, rugby ball, rugby ball, rugby ball, fist, 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 fire, 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 American flag, 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 bald eagle, 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 bald eagle. <laughs> and for that, he has gotten 14 hearts and six retweets. So congratulations, Aaron. Oh, you my won the internet. You literally uh, won the internet. I, I, that one had a lot of interaction. That was nice. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm um, sure. So uh, moving on to try to wrap this up so everyone can go to bed. Uh, views, news, views, and abuse. Uh, so I guess we got abused. This week, if you're a union member, uh, Doug Schoeninger sued USA Rugby um, on Tuesday, filed a complaint in Boulder County District Court. Uh, you can find the complaint in full on earfulofdirt.com. Boom. And who is Doug and what's this about, Aaron? Um, so Doug is the former proprietor of... North American Rugby LLC, which did business as Pro Rugby USA. Uh, they were the only um, sanctioned professional rugby league ever in the history of the United States uh, that ever they got off the ground. Uh, so that was Pro Rugby. They had five teams. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Martin and Ayes saying, hey, we're going to do Pro 12 in New York. And Will Chang sort of encouraged the comments, I guess, maybe not. Um, but, you know, Pro 12 has said for like four or five years that they were going to like expand to the U.S. So, of course, Will Chang is probably saying, yeah, sure, man, sure, because he knows nothing's going to happen. And then, you know, the next thing you know, uh, vendors aren't paid and the league gets canceled. And then, uh, you know, they stop playing pay players, even though they had – approved off-season plans uh, through the league, and then it gets shut down December of 2016. 
And we've sort of been waiting for this lawsuit for like a year and a half. Um, yeah. And I, I guess if you read the whole complaint, he's asking for like restitution and like a sanctioning agreement to be enforced for three years plus the years that uh, he didn't have a league. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of it's a, a lot of you know claims for relief in there that are somewhat interesting and some of the things that I, I don't know if that are just shoddy and false because um, like Nigel Mel like here's one that just sticks out to me Nigel Melville did not take an executive director role with the RFU he's the director of high performance um, or professional rugby director of professional rugby is his actual title he's not an executive director. So, um, and then, so there's that tobacco. It's going to cost us some money. It's going to be interesting, but since it's in Boulder County, we will send our very own Josh Fredland on the 8th of August for when the next action is supposed to take place to report on the matter. Um, Jeremiah Johnson, the Congress rep to the USA Rugby Board of Directors, survived a recall vote last Monday. That's a little surprising considering uh, Will Chang and um, Rob King had been told to get out, and they got out. Um, then you have the Major League Rugby Championship Series tickets now available for purchase. It's looking like uh, – Glendale is sort of probably locked in as the one seed right now. If the Seawolves win uh, this week over Glendale, then they'll be locked in as the one seed. But those two teams have both clinched the playoffs. Um, so there's going to be a pretty awesome like festival of rugby at Infinity Park on the 30th of June to end the month. And then uh, Dean House was on KUTV2 News in Salt Lake City. And, you know, it was a person-to-person -person interview, which with whom I forget, but he clearly stated that season two will run from January to May with playoffs in June of 2019. They said there will be 10 members, and they said something about 10 to 12 teams, so which is interesting to hear. So if there if it's 10 members and 12 teams, that means two of those teams would be owned by current members of the league. So that would be interesting uh, as far as views, news, and abuse go. Uh, Corey, off to you. Yeah. So it's uh, that special time of the week again where we get to take questions from Bob. Uh, unfortunately, last week we had to skip this, so uh, we're going to make good on uh, at least, uh, I think, yeah, one of the questions that came in last week. So let's get to it. Uh, and actually, this is perfect that we held this one for uh, this week since, uh, Brian, you're with us. Russ the Man 16 wants to know, any more rumblings on what's happening in Vancouver? I'm assuming he's talking about Major League Rugby uh, expansion. Nothing. <laughs> That's the short answer. Um, last I heard, there were still uh, two bids on the go. Um, as far as I know, neither one of them has been guaranteed exclusivity of any kind. Um, at one point, there was talk of possibly a third bid. I don't. I haven't heard anything more on that, so I'm assuming that didn't happen. Uh, yeah, um, there's been – I haven't heard anything. Um, you know, uh, obviously we all want a team to go there, but at this point uh, it's pretty hard to see 
Vancouver putting a team uh, together in time for 2019. Uh, it would be pretty uh, a big rush job. I think Canada's only hope at this point for 2019 is the Arrows. Um, and even then, I, I'm not even sure uh, if that's going to happen um, right now. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I wish right. I had better news. Sorry. <laughs> Aaron, you got anything on that one? Yeah, same. I got nothing really to add. Excellent. Uh, all right, moving along. LL Rugby One wants to know: Aside from player development, is the league also actively developing officials? Um, I don't know about the league, but I hope the league starts to because we. I mean, Brian can really comment on the depth of officials we have for this level, and it's really shallow. But the entirety of the San Diego Legion uh, last week or two weeks ago, went through ref level one, um, you know, as a team. So that was cool. I don't know. But, I mean, hopefully. What was it? I, I kind of missed the, the – So will the league develop officials? Oh, they're well, doing I don't that? think that's uh, – I don't think that's the responsibility of, of MLR, frankly. I think that's the responsibility of uh, USA uh, Rugby's uh, Match Official High Performance uh, Group. Um, so, I, you know, I don't – it's not really – the league shouldn't be developing uh, officials insofar as they're giving them opportunities to officiate high-level games. That's really the, uh, the, the department oh, of USA so, so Premiership has their own officials, right? That obviously came up through the game, but in – in yeah, the but they're, US. they're under the RFU. The RFU, they're on the RFU panel. The RFU appoints them. Uh, they're just paid by the premiership. So if we look at this, in the American sphere, you, the leagues develop their own officials. Um, for the most part, they start elsewhere. But once they make it to that, once they reach selection to those leagues, they pretty much just, you know, Ump MLB games and ref, but I mean, I know you like to make this comparison a lot. North American rugby or North American sport, typical North American sport to rugby, and so on. But in the model that we have, where uh, international rugby trumps all, um, you know, as we can see, and they've been trying to explain to play people why top players are not playing for their clubs uh, during the season, uh, because of that model, really, you're developing match officials for international rugby. You're not developing them for major league rugby, right? Uh, major league rugby is the vehicle to get to international rugby, just as it is for the players. Um, so I, I don't know for me, it's uh, I, I know they've got their own separate allocations kind of thing, but it's, it's basically the same people anyways. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, personally, I don't think it's, I don't think it's their response. If you know, they're perfectly fine if they want to run, you know, ref clinics. I mean, they're bringing in uh, Leal from uh, the RFU, and they've got Rogan from Australia in there. Um, you know, Chris is coming down. Asmus is coming down from Canada, so they're they're bringing guys in already. So I mean, they're having their own little conversations and reviews and stuff like that. I'm sure they're doing some development on on, on themselves, um, but I don't think beyond that it's. Uh, I mean, what are they going to do, really? You know, what are they going to just run a referees conference or something? I mean, what, what, what is MLR going to do aside from bringing them in? What, uh, what can they do to develop match officials? Fair enough. Anybody else have any final thoughts on that one? Nope. Okay. Uh, last question comes from uh, Bob himself. Bob B. Bobberson asks. 
who will coach Seattle next season? This is a thinly veiled question as in, has Phil Mack earned a second season and will he get it? Uh, I mean, in regards to Phil earning, <laughs> I've had that conversation. It's like an, I don't know. And I was like, you know, I was like, I said, you know, Phil has done pretty good at being a dual rollist. I think the answer is a resounding yes, and I will bet people money that he will be there next year. Yeah, because I mean, let's be honest with each other, guys. Um, Phil and and the and the Seawolves as a whole were not dealt the best cards this season. Um, I, I mean, as a really, player, as a player, he's going to yeah. be there. I think it's specifically. I think you'll be the coach. coach the yes, as a coach is what no, I mean. As a coach, coach, as a coach, yes, so, and of course, as a player, of course, definitely. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, we already talked about his praise. I mean, we talked about yeah. his like first as a coach, a player coach is what I mean. Is, yeah, I, I just I asked, I asked the question you know, sort of in the air. And I was like, how many more years does Phil want to play? Well, that's the question. I don't think the question is, I don't think the question is, will he be there as a coach? I think the question will be, will he continue as a player? I think is the question. I think, I think he'll certainly be there as a coach. Cause I think, you know, he's done well as a coach. Uh, does he want to play, you know, that much longer? I think part of it's going to be um, tied to Canada qualifying. Uh, for the World Cup, if, mm-hmm. if qualifies for the World Cup, I think we know where he stops. If they don't, I think we know where he stops as a player. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not even. I wouldn't even be that, be that certain. Um, the I guy mean, he's accomplished age, everything he has to accomplish. If Canada qualifies, let's okay. assume they qualify in November. What are they going to do in the World Cup? You know, he's basically going as a tourist. They're not challenging for anything. You know, m- maybe trying to win one game or something. You know, like. Uh, he's already been in the World Cup. He's won 50, 50 caps. He's won fifty, you know, appearances in the World Series. Uh, what what else does the guy have to do in rugby as a player? He's done everything at this point. I think his future is uh, is in coaching. I, I won't begrudge him if he wants to stick around through the World Cup. Hey, great! But uh, I think he's probably seeing that uh, it's getting close to the end as well. And I'm sure his body is telling him, Hey man, how long are we going to keep doing this? I mean, his knee is pretty much taped together every game. So, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Well, uh, guys, I think that, uh, wraps it up for the night. So Victor, you want to take us home, my friend? Yes. Um, actually, before I do, let me ask a, a question myself to, to Brian, since we have it on, um, so, Brian, in regards to the Ontario Arrows, um, are they any closer to be to, to be announced announce themselves as an MLR team? And if they are, do you know probably when they're going to reach that decision? I wish I could answer more. Um, it will be some time this month that we'll hear. So we're what ten days into June, so mm-hmm. uh, it won't be more than a couple of weeks till we hear one way or another. So I guess that's that's a good thing. I guess it's good to know. Uh, you know, whether they're going to apply or not. Um, I don't have an answer whether they are or not. They've done everything they could possibly do due diligence wise. So at this point, it's just, uh, do they want to pay the bills? Of course. Okay. Then well, thank you for answering the question. Okay guys. So I think with that, um, we're going to come to an end uh, of another great episode of the Earful of Dirt Major League Rugby Podcast. That was episode 40. Uh, by the way, we didn't really mention it in the, sh- in, in the show because, I mean, we really don't talk much about international rugby or, unless it pertains USA or Canada. But um, I hope everyone enjoyed the great 
June window that, that we just had this last week, uh, this past week. Some great games. Uh, of all of them, the one that I felt the most was the England South Africa result, losing by three points. So I was like, I was watching it. I saw the score when I got because I dropped someone off at the airport, mm. and I saw that what the score was, and I was like, okay, I got to rewind a little bit beginning because it was like 24-3 or something in the yeah that's right and uh then and i was i tweeted or i mentioned on my buddy's facebook page and i was like so rassy is not the springbok whisperer and then (laughs) then, (laughs) there we go just a second then after clerk goes off (laughs) yes oh my god and it just all all of a sudden the the wave just changed and the springbok just Went over the the English, and I mean, I mean, good and kudos to them. They came back from a, a twenty one point deficit to come in and win by by, by winning by three points. So you know, all things considered, are great for them. Also, congratulations to the Australians because they beat the Irish. I wasn't happy about that. I actually wanted the Irish to win, but you know, whatever. It's what it is. And, and yeah. So I, I only watched those two games so far. Don't tell me about the other ones. I'll watch them as the week goes along. But um, we're definitely going to have another great week of international rugby. And, and I cross my fingers that USA does great with, with Scotland. And if Canada loses to Russia, I lost all hope hey, with, with, with the Maple Leafs. So I don't want that. I really don't. But anyways, guys, going back to the end of the show. So... Uh, make sure to subscribe to our channel, Earful of Dirt uh, podcast on YouTube, and we're our live streams at our uh, at um, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific time for me today, since I was since I'm down in the central uh, central area of the country. Uh, that will be at 9 p.m. Central. Um, make sure to also um, uh, check out our website, EarfulOfDirt.com, where we are writing post about every MLR game and also uh, from our very own Aaron Castro some is uh, some posts about the USA Eagles games so you're gonna have to see those those the three coming up of course the one that just passed with Russia the one coming this week with Scotland and the one after that with, with Canada can't wait for that one of course uh, of course make sure to follow our social media accounts all of them are Everall Dirt on Facebook Instagram and Twitter and of course uh, with the podcast it's concerned um, if you haven't done so already, we're on iTunes, Acast, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM. Um, make sure to check all of those, uh, whichever one. And, of course, iTunes is the most important one because we definitely want those reviews, which we haven't gotten in about a month. So please help us out. <laughs> it's been a month. And, of course, guys, finally call us on our phone number to drop us a, a message on our voicemail. That will be number 1720-600-2679. Again, 1720 600 So, again, you could drop us a review about us, or if you want to talk about the whole Doc Schoeniger debacle, we definitely would love to hear your comments about all of it, especially because 720 is a Colorado um, area code. So, hey, might as well take advantage of that. <laughs> okay, beautiful. So, yeah, so, again, thanks again, guys, for joining us. Like I said, episode 40 of Evil uh, Rugby League. Uh, I'm Rugby League. Major League. Rugby podcast, excuse me. This is not a rugby league, <laughs> not a rugby league podcast. <laughs> Let's cut that one up. So again, um, Brian, thank you for, very much for joining us, guys. Uh, again, that was Brian Raid. Um, make sure to, of course, follow him 
at um I don't even know what's your Twitter handle, Brian. Raise rugby, R A Y S rugby. There we go, Raise Rugby. And of course, uh check out the the website he belongs to America's Rugby News to hear all the news about rugby in the Americas, which is speaking of which I was reading the, the article, guys. Um, Dominican Republic lost to, lost to Guadalupe in the Rand Trophy. I thought we we're going to win that. I guess I brought the guys from, from France and they just ran over the Dominicans. Uh, I got a couple of bodies that were playing in the roster and we lost. But, you know, it's what it is. We got next year. Hopefully, St. Vincent at the Grandins will be in the tournament and we'll defeat them because SVG you know, sucks. Everyone in the Caribbean knows that. I know the Dominicans can beat them. If the Dominicans lose to SVG, you know we suck. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> that was on a tangent. So, okay, guys. Uh, so, once again, that was uh, Brian. That was um, Aaron. That was Corey. Once again, Victor. Hopefully, we'll have Josh next week. Hopefully, we got Dan's one of these days when he, no, he's not working uh, one of these days. So, we'll see you soon, guys. Have a good night. Connect with Earful of Dirt anytime. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. Until next time, for Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for joining us.